0: Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com insider. Another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar and Will Raggett's here from Sports Illustrated. Uh, and Will, I mean, I feel like we've made a mistake this year by doing the pod on Thursdays and not starting every show with a full breakdown of Matt Daniels' press conference. But today was another epic in which he talked about his relationship with Greg Joseph and how he's coached him different. And how he has tried to understand how he needs to communicate even with the head coach for how Kevin O'Connell should handle Greg Joseph those kickers a uh, very dicey situation as we have learned through the years with the Vikings but my question for you is do it do we trust Greg Joseph and a Vikings kicker now like is that a is that a thing especially based on what Matt Daniels said about how they've handled him how he's turned the whole wagon around and has made what 20 kicks in a row or something like that. Like Greg Joseph has been training camp. Greg Joseph Uh is there reason for Vikings fans to actually believe in a kicker?
1: Yeah. I don't know if I want to like go out and say that because I feel like it's just going to age poorly and like something's going to happen and everyone's going to point the finger at me, but on paper, I think, yes. I mean, going back to training camp, we saw this guy every day. He was lights out from 56 60 yards like he has a big leg he seems to have the right mindset he does he's off social media which i think is a good thing for a kicker um like when they're tagging all the special teams player of the weeks they like tag the other guys and they can't tag greg joseph because he doesn't have a twitter which is a good thing but it's just there's the whole vikings kicker lore and everything that seems to hang over and again no reason why that should hang over greg joseph specifically but it just kind of does at least from from our perspective of looking at it i just I think it's it's an interesting thing because like there was every reason like Matt Daniel said today for them to consider maybe moving on from him with the struggles he was having on extra points and uh, on long field goals and things like that. in kind of the middle of the season, but they just let him be and kickers kind of, kind of treating them like starting pitchers in baseball. Like they're their own, they're in their own weird world. And it worked out and he's bounced back and he's made all these kicks. And I don't know if there was a little mechanical adjustment or what, but yeah, on paper right now, there are a lot of reasons to trust greg joseph it's just man you you feel like with the history of this franchise and with what we've seen from greg joseph at times over the past two seasons it's a it's a volatile situation that could kind of could kind of go back the other way at any minute
0: yeah i also would not say it too loudly um i mean people were even upset with us during training camp for saying that he was doing well it's like well that is kind of what we do here. Is we're we just go telling the- you what's
1: what's what we're seeing <laughs>
0: Right. And am I supposed to say that he's missing it? Because, well, first of all, it's not actually happening. So we do have to tell you when the ball goes in or not or how someone's performing. But even if we didn't mention it, wouldn't you guys still be worried about kickers? I think the answer is yes. And I'm sure that people still are. But the thing about kickers, I studied this a couple of years ago where I looked into like all the best kickers and I found that every single one of them had a stretch or a game where it was just absolutely brutal, and there's no way to predict it. I mean, like, even the kicker that they're going to face, Mason Crosby, who is 700 years old and I don't think can make more than about a 44-yard field goal, uh, but even at his prime, he had one game where he missed, like, five field goals in a single game, and then he was fine, and the next year he was one of the best in the entire league. It's a very difficult thing to pinpoint. I do think, though, that them trying to understand what the kicker needs most as far as the approach. And Matt Daniel said that, you know, he's basically asked Greg Joseph, do you want me to give you feedback right away? Do you want me to ask you what happened for us to go through it? Or do you just want to be left alone? And you and the long snapper and the punter, you guys can kind of figure out what happened there and fix it the next time. And he said, Greg basically likes to be left alone. And for him to do that, as opposed to psychological warfare on kickers of the past, I mean, Mike Zimmer took a flammable situation and just poured kerosene on it. And I think at least with Matt Daniels, though it's very hard to prove because Kai Forbath made one of the biggest field goals in franchise history to help them beat the New Orleans Saints. So I don't know, like, and Dan Bailey was great for a year under Zimmer, but it seemed like if somebody was wobbling, he would just push them right to the ground. Whereas I think... I think that showing the confidence in him was the right way to go and also not cutting him because once you start chasing your tail on kickers, I mean, you can just get the wrong side of those coin flips in the worst way. You'd rather go with someone who is proven to be a quality NFL kicker and just ride that all the way to the end rather than saying like, oh, well, you know, Todd over here has been booting him at a high school stadium or something like that okay, yeah, you want the 33rd best kicker as opposed to maybe you had like the 12th best kicker in the league. I, I think they did make the right move. But at the same time, am I going to be the one that tells you that Greg Joseph will make that same field goal in the playoffs? No, of course not, because it's the Vikings.
1: Yeah, I don't, we don't want to be the ones who are going to come out and say, hey, you you have to believe in Greg Joseph here. But oh, I agree with you. Like, Justin Tucker was basically the on, is basically the only kicker I can remember that never – has like weird down moments and he's missed three kicks over the last two weeks, which is, you never see from him, but it's just proof that it can happen to any kicker in a game. Like it's a weirdly, it's a psychological, it's a really kind of intense, lonely position to play where you just are out there trying to do one job. And if you mess up, there's going to be a lot of people talking about it because you have a, it's a fairly straightforward job that is actually really difficult because you're kicking a football a long way into a, narrow kind of set of goal posts with a bunch of dudes coming at you trying to block the kick. Like, it's a tough thing to do. And I agree. We have to, I mean, we have to mention the, the Daniel Carlson thing and, and Mike Zimmer, like the way that kickers are handled is so important. And that's what was the most interesting thing about hearing from Matt Daniels today is like just talking to him. Some kickers will want to be called out and like fired up with like, Hey, what are you doing? Do your job. Like that kind of language. Some kickers will just want to be completely left alone. Some kickers will want uh, words of affirmation and you telling them, Hey, like you got the, like just things like that. And it, it, it's up to the coaches to have that communication and have those conversations and find out what their kicker needs. And I think like as easy it is for us to point to this culture stuff, like that's an example of where I think it can be real. And from Kevin O'Connell and, and Quacey at Ophimensa down to Matt Daniels and, and everybody else, like, that kind of communication being on the same page that can, I think this is evidence that that can work and that can have kind of real tangible effects. And yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier in the season, I'm pretty sure. Like even when Greg Joseph was struggling with the kind of the body of work and the resume he has in the NFL and what we saw through training camp, you were always going to be asking for trouble if you started playing the kicker carousel and you cut him and you're like, Oh, let's go sign this guy off this practice squad or like, like, There are very few examples of where you just like. I think the Colts with Chase McLaughlin, who was a former Viking, like that's a rare example where you find a kicker off the street and now he's like your long term guy and it works out. Most of the time, it ends up and you're bringing in like Tristan Vizcaino or like um, freaking uh, who Kari the... Kari Kari Vedvic. That's that's Vedvik. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna that's say, I like... traded for
0: the bears did this a couple of years ago where yeah. it was just like, we're going to have 11 kickers come in and they're all going to compete against each other. You're like, you think that's going to work
1: or. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it just doesn't work. Like there aren't, there are, aren't, there aren't that many guys who can do the job of being an NFL kicker at a high level. And the Vikings have found one in Greg Joseph. So it's up to them to, I think, I think we should praise them that they made the right call for sticking it out with this guy. When you, He had some uh, slip ups. And again, that is not to say that when he lines up to kick a critical kick in a postseason game, because you know, that's coming that everyone will have total faith that it's going in. But uh, I think we'll have more faith than we would Mm -hmm. if it was some random Joe off the street.
0: Well, I had the same conclusion as you, as far as um, when it comes to coaching and the whole culture thing, because when you say the word culture, it's like, it just means nothing. It's just like a buzzword at this point. But I'm always like a, show me, show me what you mean by your culture. And I think this is like a show you type of thing, because if you apply this to lots of different types of players um, and you're trying to tailor how you coach them to what's going to get the most out of them. I mean, that's just a a better plan than being like I'm in charge and you do what I say. I, I think that the reason that so many coaches have gone to this isn't because millennials or Gen Z is soft. It's because it's smarter It's because we've studied these things. It's because there's data on it, because every business tries to do it this way. And people are writing books about it and things like that. Like these guys do this for a reason. And I think, yeah, they wanted when they hired Matt Daniels, they wanted someone who would be in that same vein and think along the same lines as them. And it's very hard to connect the results to that coaching. But I think that coaching is the right process for them. And maybe it's played out here with a, uh, you know, I don't know, sensitive kicker. But I wanted to ask you before we moved on to a very interesting um, tweet that I got about just the the whole narrative of the Vikings and where they stand as far as their team strength and things like that. I want to get to that in a second. I don't want to spend the whole show on kickers, though we absolutely could with with this thing. I just want to know. Matt Daniel said it's uh, the five love languages. So if you were a kicker, what would your love language be, Will? Like what would you want from your special teams coach?
1: That's a good question. I think I would want the like the words of affirmation and the positive reinforcement and tell me I'm a beautiful kicker even when it's not going really well. Because I think I think that would help me. I don't think I don't think I would want the Greg Joseph uh treatment of just leave me alone because I think I would get too much in my own head and like I would go down the well, I, I, I guess um, Carlson never went down that path because he got cut after the game. But I feel like it would just get worse for me if I was left alone. I think I would want some, you know, warm uh, warm roses and flowers. It would be my uh, my preferred approach if I were a kicker. But also, I have no idea what I'm talking about because I would be a terrible kicker.
0: Well, Will, you're a great podcast guest. It's just oh, thank wonderful you. to have you. You've done a great <laughs> job coming on a weekly basis this year. I'm I,
1: I set myself up for this. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, what, what would your uh, what, what would your answer be? I'm curious.
0: I Well, I think for me that usually uh, when I did play sports growing up, uh, if something went wrong, the thing I hated the most was if a coach immediately pointed it out. So I even remember like this is one thing that s- sticks in my head from when I was playing junior high baseball, uh, you know, whatever that grade is, eighth grade. And I had a ground ball go under my legs and the coach came out of the dugout and like yelled at me for not staying down on the ball. It was like, do you think I don't know that I didn't stay down in the ball? Like, do you, do you think that I couldn't have figured that out? <laughs> so if I was a kicker, the last thing in the world I'd want, if I pushed one wide right, would be for the special teams coach to come over and be like, you pushed it wide right. And you're like, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Thank I'm you. With you on that. I'm much, I would be much more in the vein of probably Greg Joseph of like, let let me, I'm the kicker. Let me figure that out. I'll figure it out with my holder. You stay over there and you worry about the rest of your special teams. And I'll handle this since you don't kick footballs. And I do, that would be mine. And I generally have a bad attitude toward authority <laughs> uh, as maybe you figured out being around me in the media room from time to time. Uh, but I have no boss, so it's actually kind of a great situation. But, yeah, uh, you know, I think that I, it's a great idea to have that for personalities. And I wish that I had it grew, growing up with sports of coaches considering that you can't treat all the kids the same or just yell at people when they make a mistake. It makes you feel like the next time you are more nervous to, to lean down. I mean, I've had it happen and so many kids have where you make a physical mistake, that 99 times out of 100 you wouldn't make, but it's just a random bounce or whatever. And the coach pulls you out of a game for it or something. You're like, really? R- r- are we, like, are we doing this just because a ball bounced through my legs? Like, anyway. So, you know, I think that Zimmer, it's one of the most reasonable criticisms of him. If we go through all the things that he got criticized for, and a lot of them we've sort of circled back on and be like, well, maybe he knew what he was doing and this or that he didn't know what he was doing with kickers. That's for sure. So anyway,
1: and in general, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you feel like you're going to get yelled at and, and cussed out for every mistake you make, I think it's harder to play confidently. You, you, that, that can lend itself to you being tentative and trying to play not to mess up. And that's, you, you can't play like that in the NFL and survive. So I think that is a generally valid uh, criticism of, of Zimmer and a, and a positive thing for the new regime.
0: So I got a message from uh, a Twitter follower, Seth, who it's a long message. I won't read the entire thing, but his basic question was for the show. And I think it's a good discussion was that the conversation about the Vikings stats and analytics and data and everything else versus their record and some people saying well they're not for real and other people saying but look at their record look how clutch they are look at 11 and 0 in close games and his point was that a lot of other teams have also played close games against the colts like philadelphia did or against the bears I think Philadelphia also played close against the Bears and that they have not received the the same sort of scrutiny for playing a close game against the team that's not so good. And uh, I will read the, the last part of his message where he said, I just think this team is much better than the statistical analysts would say. Some of the stats thrown around feel like a hypothesis of predicting a quality team, but don't correlate to wins. and do they matter? My thought is that if we scrutinize the other top teams as much as we do the Vikings, they wouldn't be all that far off from the other top teams. Am I way off? So what do you make of that conversation, Mr. Raggeds?
1: yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and we've we've been talking about this all year ever since. Like it was week three and week four and we're like, is this team good? And we're still maybe asking ourselves that. And I, I tend to kind of fall a little bit in the middle where I think there's something real to the Vikings like situational emphasis and the situational master's meetings that they've talked about so much dating back to the spring um, with Ryan Cordell and, and other coaches, like pointing out all these different things that happen in various football games at all levels and, and, getting the Vikings prepared for that like they don't make dumb mistakes and I think that's a real thing that they've coached and they've emphasized and and that's real and Kevin O'Connell like ha- has his team prepared to to come through and be at their best when their best is required is their line and Kirk Cousins that's that's a whole conversation uh, like a separate conversation where his numbers are down but feels like he's playing winning football because He's been, he's been so tough in the pocket against pressure and he's trusting Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and other people more to, to go make plays and then being less robotic with his reads. And there's all these different things that you can point to that, like, it's not a total fluke that they're 11 and 0 in one score games. It can't be. I mean, at this point, like you just don't win 11, one score games without being good in the late moments and good in situational stuff and, and all of that. I think that's real, but at the same time. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Vikings are on the tier of the Eagles or the Cowboys or the 49ers, because the play by play like advanced metrics are valuable tools that we have at our disposal. Like whatever you think about DVOA or EPA per play or, or all, all of these things they're real. And the Vikings, especially for the first three quarters of games, particularly in the third quarter, like they just, the con- the consistency on a play to play basis hasn't been there. And that gives you pause when you're talking about going into the playoffs against these teams that just have much better advanced metrics across the board. So I think there's, there's, it goes both ways. There's something real about the Viking situational stuff, but there's concern going into the playoffs for sure. At least from my perspective, like that maybe just they could find themselves falling behind by a few scores against one of these top teams. If they go into an offensive lull like we've seen, or if they give up explosives on defense, uh, and then the situational stuff won't matter if you're down 20 late in the game because then it's no longer a one score game. And I mean, we've we've just seen that against the Eagles and Cowboys this season, which is those two games specifically are going to be hard to kind of overcome from a narrative perspective until we see them go up against one of those teams and, and beat them.
0: Folks, we had some friends over this holiday and my wife and I cracked open some Liquid Deaths at nine in the morning. And let me tell you that drew some strange looks, but it was also delicious and refreshing. The Liquid Death Mountain Water and Sparkling Water comes in a Tall Boy beer can and that'll have people asking some questions sometimes, but it's also saving the environment. Liquid Death gives 10% of profits to bring an end to plastic bottles. So every time you're drinking from the can, you're doing a little bit of good in the world so go to liquiddeath.com/insider to find out more or get liquid death at target, high v, 7-11 or whole foods again liquiddeath.com/insider I mean isn't how strong are you really the fundamental question in football because everybody knows that your record Is based on such an unbelievably small sample size in comparison to other sports so by the time a basketball team has played 82 games there's really no debate about what they are because they've played 82 times so if they're if they're 500 they're 500 there's no argument about it it's one of the things that actually makes football so fascinating is because the randomness element the small sample element So what statistical analysts have done to try to figure out that fundamental question that we're all chasing is who's the strongest team in the league is they use bigger samples. And like you said, you only get one and oh on a game but you get 70 offensive plays and 70 defensive plays. So it's reasonable if you're trying to answer the fundamental question that you would use the 70 plays as opposed to trying to use the 1 and 0 that can be influenced by such small things. And last year, Mike Zimmer argued repeatedly that they were a much better team than their record. And when you go back and look at how they lost some of those games, it's very hard to say that the reason was they didn't coach situations enough. I mean, there's a the game against Cooper Rush where the ball literally bounces right off the hands of Bashad Breland and into the hands of the wide receiver for like a 40-yard gain. That is completely random. And I mean, even, you know, yes, there are things throughout a game that you could say, well, this happened to us and that happened to us and so forth. But when it comes down to those final drives and and final moments and stuff. I mean, if the, the Giants tackle Justin Jefferson like two yards or five yards farther back, they don't even kick the field goal. Like the razor's edge of this thing can go your way or go against you in a given season. And I think we would all agree that it went against them last season. And I don't know if there's anything that a coach can really do to change those small things that either go your way or don't go your way fumble recoveries are a great example of this i mean the, it, it's impossible not to bring up the josh allen one but also how about against the colts like yeah they got one taken away but they also got one later in that game where they get a fumble recovery if the colts jump on it maybe they get a first down and the game doesn't go your way like th- these things
1: or smith Marset against the bears or yeah double doinks against the, the saint like you're right there are a lot of random things that have played into that 11 and 01 score record as well
0: Right. So it makes sense if you're trying to answer the question, who's the strongest, to try to like remove the noise, remove the things that can either go your way or not go your way. But where I think the mistake happens is that when we start going down this rabbit hole, if we remove the records and we remove the noisy stuff and we just looked at the who is the strongest statistics, we would probably come out with the Vikings as more of a middle of the pack team or more of a a little bit above average team. And those teams have won the Super Bowl before, by the way, teams that played just a little above average. I would say the Rams overall last year were, I think, a plus 80 point differential, which is on the lower end. And I've noticed that a lot of the teams in terms of point differential that have been on the lower end historically have actually come in recent years because I think these games are just getting closer and closer as all the franchises get better quarterback play generally gets better or in this year it's like there's been so much bad quarterback play that that's brought a lot of the teams closer so there's all these factors you're trying to remove but my thing is if i didn't tell you the vikings record and you only got to look at every other thing what would you think it was what would you come up with it and it's not wrong to say that out loud but also when you look at the one score game stat it is a little bit um not fair because they did outplay some teams they were in command of some games. I mean, you know, Miami is a one-score game. Is it really, you know, Chicago, they really outplayed them the whole game. Arizona, is it really, you know, because they outplayed Arizona too. Uh, so, you know, that doesn't mean that every one-score game is a fraud. It doesn't mean that you should be 0-17. It, what it means is that those usually go 50-50. And I think because some of those one-score games are, are weirdly, like, concocted by just the way they came along um, that maybe the Vikings should have won like 70% of those. So instead of 11, maybe it should be like seven. Would you still be going in as the division champions with a chance to go compete for the Super Bowl If that was the case? Yeah. Yeah, you would. Would you still, would you still be if you were the seventh best offense in the league in terms of points and 28th in defense and you won instead of 12 games right now, you had nine, like, yeah, you'd still be considered a, a fair contender. Right? But I think what everyone's saying is they're not as strong of a contender as you'd expect for a 12-win team. So, th- so it's a very convoluted thing that takes a long explanation, which we just went through. And and it's easier for some people to just say like, "Hey, they're frauds." But I but I don't like that at all. I don't like to say frauds because they would still be the division champs. They would still be a, an above-average team with a with a lot of great talent across the board.
1: Yeah, I think, no, you're right. Like, the 11-0 and 0 mark in one-score games and the fact that they're 12-3, and 3, I think has, like, twisted the conversation a little bit because if you're saying, like, this team is an elite, like the 98 Vikings, like the '09 9 Vikings, like this is one of the best teams in the league, which maybe you would expect if you only looked at the win-loss record and you're like, this team has one of the best records in the league, maybe relative to that level of expectation, you could say that they are, not, like – I don't want to use the word frauds, but they're not that team. And I think that's fair. I don't have a problem with anybody saying that, but like, yeah, there there are, I, you, I agree with your point that like some of the one score game stuff, they're not all just completely random. Not all one score games are created equal. There's the whole uh, stat, which is really interesting. Like somebody posts this a bunch of times a season where if you flip every one score game, what would every team's record be? And like the Vikings would be one in 14, which is hilarious, but You can't tell me that, like, that Dolphins game deserves to be flipped because that was a 50-50 outcome in a one-score game. That was an eight-point game that the Vikings controlled throughout. They were up 14 late in the game against, like, a third-string quarterback, and they scored a a touchdown and two-point conversion or something like that to make it an eight-point game. Like, there are are games like, I don't know, the Jets or, like, various games come to mind that – have some definite randomness and we're kind of close. And well, the Jets one was another one where they got up big and then, and blew it, they've all, they've come in all shapes and sizes. They've been, they've been close throughout. They've been the Vikings blowing leads. They've been the Vikings coming back from being down by 33 points and um, all these different things, but yeah, not all one score games are created equal. So I agree that the Vikings, like you look across the board at their roster too. And I think that's something that you have to talk about. Like not every team that, like is dealing with some lock in one score games has a player like Justin Jefferson, which can be a separator in these games. Not like Kirk cousins is you, you can have endless debates about him, but he's been playing like a top 12, maybe a top 10 quarterback in terms of showing up in the big situations and, and, and coming through late. Like they have Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter who have been really good. They've got Christian Dariusaw back. Who's been at an all pro level. I think where you kind of, get the, the, the confidence and the argument to make that this could be a, a frisky team in the playoffs, even if they're not going to enter as one of the, maybe even one of the three favorites in their conference is just the blue chip talent that they have at various positions on, on both sides of the ball. And the special teams has been coming up big and like, they're just, it seems like they're starting to figure some things out and they have two more weeks in this regular season. If you can keep figuring things out and Kevin O'Connell himself has said it, they are still chasing like their first game of the year where they play consistent football throughout all four quarters. That hasn't happened yet, but it still could. And they've been learning more about themselves with each passing week and learning how to incorporate TJ Hawkinson and what a difference maker he can be, especially in kind of the underneath areas, when teams are trying to take away Jefferson and Thielen and things like that. And um, defensively, like starting to mix in more, uh, more five and six man pressures. Like we were asking Ed Donatello to do for a while. And, Um, like the things we've seen from Patrick Peterson and Duke Shelley at cornerback and all these different things. Like you can make an argument that the, the the best football is still in front of the Vikings. Like, and they have the talent they have the pieces and they have the coaching to do that. And I think there are other teams that are maybe have the same like DVOA concerns or, or advanced stat concerns like the Vikings that don't have that ceiling because of the talent on their, like I would say the New York giants are a good example. Like, they have outperformed their record. They're kind of a middling team that's, that's going to be in the playoffs. And, and the Vikings could have a similar record to the Giants if a, few, if a few plays throughout the season had gone differently. But the Giants don't have, like, the level of talent that the Vikings has and have. And I think that showed up in that game last Sunday. Like, critical players, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Daniel Hunter, making big plays and kind of separating in that game. And I know it was close throughout, and I know it was a one-score game because they're all one-score games. But there was kind of a confidence, I think, when I was watching that game. I, I, I just, I just thought the Vikings were going to win, and and they did. And it's it's been building throughout the season. They've done it time and time and time again, and I think that plays into it. But it's also the individual talent and the coaching, and um, I don't know. I think the culture, I think the belief plays a role in that too. So yeah, it, it is a fascinating question. And ultimately, like what's going to suck is the Vikings are probably going to lose in the playoffs, and everyone's going to be like, see. Frauds, I told you, and like that's gonna, I think, be a discredit to kind of the the work that they've done and what they've earned this season, and, and all of the ways that they've found to to win games. And so, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I think this is a team that can go into the playoffs feeling confident. And let's see what happens these next two weeks in Green Bay and Chicago, and kind of how that uh how the narrative shifts or, or looks going into the uh, wild card round. I'm excited for this game in Green Bay, which. I know we haven't really talked about, but a few weeks ago, that looked like it was going to be meaningless because the Packers were like four and eight and, and who cares? And it wasn't going to matter. And now the Packers are fighting for their lives. The Vikings are fighting for their two seed lives and maybe even the one seed we'll, we'll know by kick if, if the Eagles have clinched the one seed or not, but yeah, this is going to be fun. And there's all, there's all these different narratives and the Vikings trying to sweep them. And Jair Alexander saying Justin Jefferson's week one game was a fluke. And I don't know. I'm I'm fired up. I'm fired up to watch a game at Lambeau field that, uh, Sean Mannion's not playing quarterback.
0: Oh, I know what a waste of fuel that was to drive down there last year for that. Uh, so we got yeah, the only
1: thing we got out of that was, uh, hearing Mike Zimmer publicly bash Kellen Mond. So that was, yes. Thanks. Was thanks
0: Courtney for that follow-up question about Kellen Mond where he said not particularly. <laughs> uh, but the last thing I want to say on that, because it is like, it is the discussion with this mm-hmm. team is all the things that you ran through um, I guess the way I would put it is as far as is it reasonable to say this about the Vikings that they're not as strong as their record all the things that you ran through as far as their superstar talent the culture that they've built how they play in some of the biggest moments you could say a, the same thing for Dallas Philadelphia San Francisco except for they've beat teams by 100 points and you haven't so how would how would you do it like if you were trying to figure out Let's rank all the teams and their chances to win in the Super Bowl. And they all have the great records. They all have great cultures. They all have great coaches. They all have Pro Bowls and all pro, all Pro players. They have MVP candidates. They have superstar receivers. You can't tell me that AJ Brown and CD Lamb and and. Uh, And Debo Samuel, an all-pro from last year. You can't tell me that George Kittle isn't just as good or better than TJ Hawkinson, or Nick Bosa isn't just as good or better than Daniil Hunter, except for they've blown teams doors off Mm -hmm. and you haven't. So who am I worried about? Who are you more worried about? The team that has consistently outscored their opponents by a lot and, and crushed bad teams. I mean, even in 2019, the Vikings smashed bad teams So that's, if you're like in that category, the upper echelon, you're the Kansas city, the Buffalo, the Philly, the San Francisco, and you're these, these behemoth teams who have all those things that you have as well. What they don't have clutch quarterbacks. Like they, I mean, I don't know. I watched Dak Prescott last week, looked pretty clutch and they probably say the same thing there, except for they didn't need eight fourth quarter comebacks. That's why he doesn't have them because he was winning those games. So that's how you would put it. That does not mean that in a single contest of good team versus really good team that San Francisco can't come here and you beat them if you get the number two seed. Of course you can. They have Brock Purdy coming to U.S. Bank Stadium potentially. Like, yeah, you can beat them. I think that the question is more would you be worried that they'd lose to someone like the Giants? And I think after this week, you can't tell me that there's supreme confidence that you're going to run the Giants out of the building because you won by – three and gave up a ton of yards so i think like get like framing the discussion in the right way is important here rather than just being like they don't have a play differential they're no good like of course like no i mean this is one of the craziest and most interesting seasons that we've ever seen i mean really by any vikings team ever um but also we need to have that discussion as well of what all these things tell us um in comparison to the other teams so all that aside The injury report comes out. Christian Watson still did not practice. This is a massive factor. The Packers are favored. We've had that discussion about other teams being favored. They're certainly more motivated. I mean, like if they lose, then it's that's it. I mean, there's motivation for the Vikings to knock them out, but like they need this. They're at their home building, it's a very difficult place to play, it's outside on grass. Uh, But I think that if Christian Watson does not play, this changes the math a little bit for me, Uh, because the one thing I thought would be the biggest difference between week one and this is that like Rogers found his guy. I don't think their defense is good. I don't think they're going to stop Justin Jefferson all of a sudden that they've concocted some magical plan since week one. I think their defensive scheme still stinks. Uh, but, uh, you know, I do think that, 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 that one factor, if Watson is healthy and can play, they should be pretty concerned about him, but otherwise it's kind of the same Packers team that doesn't really have anyone that scares you.
1: No, you're right. And yeah, I mean, I can, I still vividly remember sitting in us bank stadium week one, like wondering what the season's going to be and the Vikings go down a score. And then the first Packers offensive play, Christian Watson just torches Patrick Peterson and drops it. And I was like, all right, I know he dropped it, but that guy with, with that speed and that size, he looks like he could be a problem. And then I don't know, what do you have like nine touchdowns in a five week stretch or something? Like he turned into the guy that Rogers trusted and you're right outside of him. If he doesn't play, it it doesn't, they don't scare you at all. Alan Lazard and like Randall 45 year old Randall Cobb and Robert Tunyon. Like, I think that's a big advantage for the Vikings. This game is going to come down to, and I love it because it's, it's, January 1st, like, hopefully it'll be fairly cold. NFC North, like, big rivalry game. It's going to come down to running the football. And the, the the Packers have not been able to stop the run this year. They are ranked very, very much towards the bottom in rush defense DVOA and EPA per play and all these things. And Dalvin Cook, in his last two games at Lambeau Field, with Kirk Cousins playing quarterback, has, like, 170 yards from scrimmage and, like, 240 yards from scrimmage. He's just kind of gone off against that team. And uh, the, the numbers suggest that that could maybe happen again this week. And that's something I'm really curious to watch because one of the conversations this week with Kevin O'Connell has been about the run pass ratio and that balance. And the Vikings have thrown the football a ton. And some of that's been situational in the teams they've played against. But I think there's going to be a real emphasis on, on trying to feed Dalvin cook and, and get him going and, and kind of what that can open up for, for Hawkinson and Jefferson and other people in the passing game. And then on the other side of things, like the Vikings haven't been that great at stopping the run, and and that's where the Packers' offense has has kind of leaned because this is Aaron Rodgers, is still Aaron Rodgers, but he has not been peak Aaron Rodgers this year, and he has not had really the weapons outside of Christian Watson's explosion. Um, so it's a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of AJ Dillon, and and can the Vikings stop that? Can they get pressure on Rodgers with uh, another Zedarius Smith revenge game and? I mean, Smith's been getting a ton of of pressures. He just hasn't really turned him into sacks. And Daniel Hunter has really, really, really picked things up. And I think that's like one of the huge things that kind of you can point to if you're trying to maybe sell yourself or sell others on, on the Vikings having a, a decently high ceiling for a team of their caliber is like Daniel Hunter has looked like himself again and has really settled into a, a nice role in this defense and, and figured out how to how to shine in this new system. So um, yeah, a lot of interesting things to watch the injury report, Christian Watson, David Bakhtiari. Is he going to play? Because that makes a huge difference. He's been out for a little while. Um, Like Keyshawn Nixon has been like the best kicker turner in the league and he might be out this week. So that's a little thing that, that uh, that matters as well. But yeah, I mean the the Packers also Rashawn Gary, they don't have him. They don't have Eric Stokes. So they're a little uh, without a couple of guys on IR defensively, but it, it's a weird team because like you came into the season and the defense looked really good on paper and they just haven't been very good this year. But they still have like Preston Smith and um, Jair Alexander. Like they have they have some guys on, on defense. They're going to be really, really, really motivated uh, to win this game and keep their season alive and, and not get swept by the Vikings. So, yeah, a lot of fun stuff to watch in this game. And uh, I'm sure it'll it'll come down to some uh, dramatic last second play as it, as it seems to every week.
0: Can I also say that it was a little fluky what happened with Justin Jefferson in week one. And even Justin Jefferson, like brought this up today when we were talking with him, he was like, he was wide open on
1: a couple of those. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. There were, he said there were times when I was like bracing for a hit after catching the ball and no one was there. (laughs) And I remember looking back at the tape and just like, what where it what is going like how he got matched up against preston smith at one point it's like i don't think that's supposed to be how that looks i'm certain they figured that out i don't think that that's like a really controversial like people will try to make and that's fine like football but it's not really that controversial because they had so many coverage busts but no one has stopped justin jefferson otherwise so, I mean, it's not like it really means anything. I, I just think that he's actually probably right that they went back immediately and looked at what happened there. I just still, in watching the Miami game, the parts of the game where, you know, Tua was not concussed and throwing it right to the Packers, I mean, they weren't playing very well on defense at all. They had given up 20 points, and Jalen Waddell had a huge touchdown. And, I, you know, I think that's the biggest disappointment of the year for the Packers for sure. I, I think we knew that their offense would have some struggles – But on the defensive side, you look at that roster and you think that it's kind of like the Vikings a little bit where you look at the roster and you're just like, wow, that's a lot of talent. Why are you bad? (laughs) But yet they are. I I am interested to see if Alexander travels with Justin Jefferson. That's something that Darius Slade did a bit of. Jeff Okuda did a bit of. But they did none of that when it came to uh, week one and that matchup should be very, very good. I I still look at Alexander as an excellent player, but I don't think there's really a corner in the league that could just take out Justin Jefferson. It's always about everybody else. And the everybody else also includes Austin Schlopman, who's going to have to continue to play more likely than not with Garrett Bradbury missing practice. I mean, one, I think it's time to start being like, okay, he's not even limited. Like if, if he was limited, I'd be saying like, all right, just rest him, it's fine. But he's not even limited. And he got in a car accident when he already had a back issue. So I'm a little concerned about what he's going to be like as we go down the stretch here, if he's going to be able to come back in the playoffs at all. Back injuries are super wonky. Uh, And Austin Schlotman has been trying real hard. He's been trying real hard. And that's what backups can do. The Dakota Dozier stuff. We never blamed him. You're a backup player. But when I look at last week, Dexter Lawrence, seven pressures, two quarterback hits. Leonard Williams. Five pressures, two quarterback hits, couple of sacks. And this team has Kenny Clark, who has just mauled them. And now you have to play with a backup center. Like I, I think that there should be some concern here about that because I think always and forever, the only way to take Stefan Diggs back in the day out or Justin Jefferson out is just by pressuring Kirk Cousins up the middle. I, I mean, he's just going to face his fair share of pressure again in this game against the Packers.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely one of your biggest concerns if you're the Vikings heading into this game against Kenny Clark and Jerron Reed and like the Packers can do the, the Z'Darrius Smith thing with Preston Smith and line him up uh, over a center, over a guard. And we haven't even talked about Ed Ingram who is still looking like Ed Ingram, rookie Ed Ingram in, in pass protection. And there was a play uh, last week where he just got toasted on a spin move and Kirk got destroyed, but still managed to complete a ball to, to Jefferson. And yeah, Slotman, like, he's he's kind of been like a poor man's Bradbury where like pre uh, pre 2022 Bradbury especially where like he's solid in the run game and and you don't really have many concerns about him there he's not spectacular but just the the pass protection has been really really concerning and and this specific matchup um, yeah that that matchup gives you a lot of pause so I think that's something to watch but yeah I mean Packers like Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator has basically been their version of Ed Donatel, Uh, from the way that their fans talk about him and what, what you see with that. Like they have been really kind of rigid in some ways in their defense. And I even saw a quote from, from Matt LaFleur today where he was talking about Justin Jefferson and like talking about how you have to know where he is on the field, but going back to week one and what he said after the game is he's like, well, we're not just going to play man against him because that changes everything you do. And like, So in some ways that would make sense, like fans thinking about it, like you just put Jair Alexander on him and play man. But if that's not your defense, you're not going to change your whole defense just because you're playing one of the best receivers in the league. So they're not going to do that this week. Like they just just don't – they're like the Vikings. They just don't play that much man. So Jair Alexander isn't probably going to follow Justin Jefferson. I think what they're going to do and what any defense can do is you can play zone – but you can execute it better and you can look at all these things and prepare better. And it's week 17 versus week one. You're probably not going to end up with Justin Jefferson on an intermediate crossing route with nobody within 30 yards of him. Like happened against, against the Packers like that's not going to happen this week. I don't think. So they're going to be better prepared. They're going to have multiple guys kind of knowing where he is at all times and things like that, but they're not going to play man. So the Vikings will have an opportunity to adjust and, and, kind of maybe anticipate Packers adjustments and try to get Jefferson into space. And one thing I think that's been really important for the Vikings is their screen game has started to kind of come to life. And that was huge against the giants, uh, especially, I mean, the last play of the game to set up the the Joseph winner uh, was a good example of that. So things like that, things like running the ball, though you're going to have to be able to do that when the interior of your offensive line is as outmatched um, as it's been.
0: Also, one of the things that I'm kind of amazed on a weekly basis that opposing teams don't figure out is that the other way to stop Justin Jefferson is by giving Kirk Cousins coverages that he can't recognize at the line of scrimmage. And I just don't see a lot of that against this team because they sort of have to signal what they're going to do. And Jefferson had an amazing breakdown today of his touchdown against the Giants, where he was talking about how he when he saw the leverage of the corner. He knew exactly what coverage they were playing. And, you know, of course, all receivers who make it can do this. And if you ever wonder why a receiver is really physically gifted but never made it, it might be because he can't do that. Um, Justin Jefferson's intelligence, because he's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, probably goes – Uh, Way underrated as far as his superstardom. But so he gets this read and he sees where the safety is. He sees where the leverage of the corner is and he knows the exact coverage. So before even the snap, he knows exactly how he's going to run this route, where he's got to run it to, how he's going to snap it off and where he's going to be if Kirk Cousins is going to find him. The only way that we've seen Kirk Cousins get stopped sometimes in finding these elite receivers is when he doesn't see it. And when he doesn't see it right away or when a team makes a change up uh, post-snap that if they show one thing and then it turns out to be the other, and actually PFF studied this and found Cousins was average or a little below average if teams played a different coverage than they signaled at the line of scrimmage, I, I mean, if they do that, then you know they've got a chance to pressure him and get him to hesitate, which we know he's been doing a lot of this year and taking a lot of sacks but I just don't think they're doing it. And a, a lot of the stuff with Joe Barry sounds like Donatel and at least Donatel has made some changes. He may have gotten threatened, but he has made some of those changes. But with the Joe Barry stuff, it's always like, now look guys, I know this defense. Who are you? What? We we got this. Uh, and anytime you hear that with a coach, I think you worry about that. Um, or from a Vikings perspective, you're happy about that, that they're just going to keep doing what they do and thinking that it works because then the opposition can, you know, figure out all the angles. So I don't see them stopping Justin Jefferson. If anything, it's just that interior pressure, which is a, a a huge, huge concern. the other thing too, is that Ezra Cleveland is on the injury report as being limited. So you have an injured left guard, a right guard who has not really improved and a center who allowed six pressures, which for a center is almost impossible. Like you n- almost never see that that's tackles going up against Darius Smith or something. You never see six pressures from one player at the center position. Even with Garrett Bradbury, that rarely happened. Th- those are major concerns for this game, but do you think they win? Will?
1: man. Well, really quick. Do we even know who, like, who would play left guard if Cleveland, because Blake Brandle's on IR and Austin Shloman's already in the lineup. Like, is it Chris Reed? It's probably Chris Reed. Because I would assume
0: so. Yeah. But if it's he just, still exists.
1: I, I, I yeah, I just don't believe that he exists sometimes because he's just inactive every week. I think he's he's actually been active a few times over the past like month or so. So it's probably him. It's probably not like Kyle Hinton. But um, man, do I think the Vikings win this game? I obviously this is not breaking news to anyone could see this going either way, because I think um, the teams are pretty evenly matched and the Vikings have one more games late. And what does that really mean? We've been discussing that for this entire episode, but I think the, the home field advantage matters for the Packers. I think the, the mismatch of the interior defensive line against the Vikings tier offensive line matters. And maybe their, their motivation, their backs against the wall stuff matters. And, and Aaron Roger, it's just hard to sweep a good team that's in your division. Um, so unpopular here, but I think I'm going to pick the Packers in this one um and so yeah the bike that probably means the vikings will win on a 78 nine yard field goal by greg joseph but i'm picking the, i'm picking the packers
0: you know what's funny about the packers is um so we talk about that expected win loss all the time and like what their point differential says about them and we had that huge discussion the packers are exactly what their stats say they are it's funny their expected win loss is their exact same record and they are 17th uh defensively and 18th offensively and that is just exactly right. Like that's exactly what I think of them is that they are just mediocre all the way through and when I go looking for statistics to try to figure out who's going to win this game and like can I find one that's going to point me in the right direction. I mean I I just think like they are as mediocre as it gets but the one stat that I think is problematic for the Packers and why I think the Vikings will win is that they are third worst in terms of passing yards against. That seems like that could be relevant here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just don't, I just think what happened last week, and I know like you can't judge everything off last week, but what happened last week for them to get that win and stay alive was a quarterback who might not have known what stadium he was in. And it, like, I don't mean to be like, uh, you know, flippant about it. I just mean like, that's really true yep. that those interceptions we talk about the luck factor. I mean, that's as lucky as it gets that they got the ball thrown to them a bunch of times. I think their their pass defense is is just total garbage and that's perfect for a Vikings passing game that has really started to ramp up really since Detroit. Like they dominated Detroit, the second half of Indianapolis it was you know, astonishingly good. And then uh, last week, their passing game was really effective as well. So I, I think that'll happen again. I had made a prediction like five weeks ago that based on the defenses they were facing, that Kirk Cousins would still end up with a hundred quarterback rating, and we're getting there. I think we're getting there in this game, and the Vikings win. And then there is um, there's no more fraud discussion after a big win in Green Bay. That's what I think. I've been right a lot. Will you have to admit been right a lot?
1: Yeah, you have. I've been right a lot too. Well, we've both we've we've usually been on the same sure page. Sure, you don't...
0: have, Will. Yeah, you have, buddy. You've been very <laughs> right. You've done a great job. I, I just want to affirm that for you.
1: <laughs> I would be curious to go back and see when we've been when we've differed and who's been right. I think it's probably been you more than it's been me, but it hasn't happened all that often. So it's a small it's a small sample size. We'll say that. But
0: yeah, I honestly like I can't. I think that there's only been like one or two that have been wrong. I think I've just sort of kept picking the Vikings, though. <laughs> like it's yeah, me not. too. It hasn't really been a strategy or a model. And last year, I think I've missed every game. So <laughs> just just like everything else, a lot of randomness in our picking games. But uh, we will be there at Lambeau. Oh, yeah. And uh, personally, I think, Will, you can um, agree with this or disagree. Lambeau Field, the one edge it has on U.S. Bank Stadium, other than being, you know, it's iconic and all that, is the, the press box food. It's good at U.S. Bank Stadium. They do a quality job. But at Lambeau, they just provide you with brilliant meats, cheese curds, all the Wisconsin things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get excited about that.
1: Yeah, that was the one thing I remember thinking, like, I drove four hours to watch Sean Mannion do this, but the food was good. So that that sort of made it worth it all by itself. And now we get an entertaining game to boot, probably. Will Raggett's looking forward to it. Me too.
0: Great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time and uh, we'll do it again next week.
1: Always.